fourth uh, message along the lines of uh, stewarding our gifts and our talents well. Um, in many respects, I feel like, in fact, I thought we might be finished last week, but I had a, some more stirring during the week and think, okay, well, here we are. We need to give this another burst. In many respects, I'm feeling that we're really just getting started. You know, in Bible college, when we teach on anything, we sometimes got 10, 12, uh, 12 messages to really get into the depth of it. Uh, and I'm... Uh, uh, mindful that we've had some wonderful discussions in our small group gatherings and meetings and there's great comments being made, great questions being asked and the fact that there's still a number of questions around some of these things, it just goes to show that, uh, you know, it's good for us to drill sometimes a little bit deeper rather than to skim along the surface. So let me read to you again the uh, key scripture that we started out with here in First Peter chapter 4, verse 10. And by the way, if you haven't got an outline in your hand, just raise up your hand right now and our wonderful welcoming team will put a, a printed outline in your hand. We also want to welcome our internet audience this morning uh, through our live streaming. Welcome, whether you're in the auditorium, whether you're at home or in some hotel room, wherever you are, we welcome you and we trust God that God will speak to you this morning. Let's pray. Father, we once again, Lord, uh, we uh, choose to settle down our minds and our spirit ready to receive your word, ready to hear from heaven, ready to be taught, ready to be instructed, ready to be reminded of things that we already know and to have things reinforced. And God, we uh, choose to be teachable right now. We thank you, Father God, that Lord, though we know some things, we don't know all things. And so we thank you, Lord, for imparting truth into our lives, that our lives are enriched. We thank you, Lord, that faith rises to a new level. We thank you, Father, that our gifts, our talents, Lord, special abilities, that you've placed uh, into our lives are coming to the fore to a greater degree that every single person, every member in the body of Christ is serving, using their gifts uh, to the best of our ability. In Jesus' name, amen. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, as each one has received a gift, ministry to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Uh, each one has received a gift. And then it says, ministry to one another uh, as good stewards. And we talked about stewarding our gifts well, that we're not in any way neglectful or sloppy about it, but we steward them well. The steward is a manager. God's given every single one of us a set of gifts, talents, special abilities that he's placed into our lives, and God expects a return for those gifts that he's placed into our lives. And we said that sometimes, and I'm still just recapping, uh, sometimes we uh, kind of uh, crudely summarize those gifts into three general areas. Uh, we speak about the time that we have available. We speak about the talents that God's given to us, uh, and we speak about the treasure that God has placed at our disposal. And God wants us all uh, to manage those areas well, um, including time. Uh, the Bible says, redeeming the time for the days are evil. Um, and uh, days have always been evil. There's always a sufficient amount of evil in the world. Um, and, and yet things, uh, there's a deterioration of uh, things going on in terms of, of the God factor in the community. And people less and less know the word of God, less and less know God. And this is the time for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to rise up. You and I, we are the salt of the earth. We are 
the light of the world. We need to play our part strongly, and we need, need to let our light so shine in these last days that men can see it and glorify God and be attracted uh, towards God uh, through our lives. So, having said all of that, I would like to start out in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14. Um, and uh, we have a, a scripture here that uh, Paul the Apostle uh, wrote to Timothy. Uh, Timothy was the pastor in the local church at Ephesus. And Paul the Apostle, Paul the aged man, wrote to young Timothy. Timothy was a young man, um, and um, he was one of the people that Paul had raised up into ministry, released into ministry, and now Paul is speaking into his life, uh, and this is what he says to him. He says, Timothy says, do not neglect the gift, uh, or rather, do not neglect the spiritual gift that you have received through the prophecies spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. Now again, uh, this is uh, Paul the aged um, Paul the Apostle um, speaking to Timothy, and he reminds Timothy of his ordination. When Timothy was ordained into the ministry of a pastor, a group of elders came around him um, and laid their hands on him, prophesied over him, imparted gifts into him, and released him into ministry. And one of those guys that prayed for him was Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul was right there. Um, and um, at that time, Paul received a gift. Um, he no doubt had gifts resident in him, but he received a gift that enabled him and also empowered him to function in the ministry and to be able to fulfill the ministry that God had placed on his life. In fact, it's interesting, uh, when we look at uh, what we call the pastoral letters, uh, uh, look at the New Testament, there's three letters that Paul wrote. That's 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. We call them the pastoral letters because Paul wrote those to other ministers, younger ministers, told them what to do, told them what not to do. Much of what we know today uh, in regards to how we're supposed to function in the local church uh, is written in those letters very valuable truth there without which we could not properly function as local churches because Paul was the man that had the revelation about the church. He spoke about the mystery that he preached, about the gospel that he preached, and he carried the revelation about the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he released it through all the letters, but specifically he speaks into the lives of young ministers here. And of course, uh, uh, these three letters are in uh, in the Bible for us so that every believer can read that and derive truth out of it and have their lives enriched. So specifically, Paul is speaking to Timothy about the gift that he had received. And he says to, to, to Timothy, he says, Timothy, do not neglect the gift that you have received. So evidently it's possible to neglect a gift. He says to him, uh, and by just digging a little bit deeper into the original languages and looking at the various shades of meaning of, of the word neglect, he says to him, do not disregard or ignore it, and do not be careless with it. And we read 
this scripture here with an understanding that we have received from reading the parable of the, of the talents and the parable of the meanness you might remember a couple of weeks ago uh, to bring all of that together to bring a comprehensive picture in regards to how you and I are supposed to treat the gift that God's given to us and what we're supposed to do with it. He says, do not let it stay dormant in you, but make full use of it. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5, Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, fulfill your ministry. Now, God had ordained a ministry for, for Timothy, but it was Paul and the elders that released him into it. They kind of officially recognized it and helped the man to, through the impartation of God's Spirit to actually start functioning in the ministry. Uh, man does not ordain ministry. God ordains ministry. God is the one that brings the gifting, but God does it in the context of a local church. God does it in the context of leadership in the church through the laying on of hands, the recognizing of somebody to function in a particular capacity, in a particular uh, environment, uh, uh, particular ministry, if you like. And uh, what we read here is that uh, in, in all reality, every believer has been given gifts to enable them to fulfill their God-given ministry. When God created you, in fact, further back, when God, or when God planned you, God had a specific ministry in mind for you. God had a particular function in mind for you. And it is your privilege and my privilege to find out what that is and then to start functioning in that. You know, your gift or your gift set is a part of God's equipment for you so that you can fulfill your ministry. And with that in mind, I want to swing into Romans chapter 12 and speak about a set of gifts that's listed there. It's not all the gifts there are, but it is a set uh, that is good for us to know about and good for us to understand. Uh, of course, we teach, we teach a bunch of that stuff in our spiritual growth courses. Uh, we perhaps do more methodical teaching in these courses uh, than what we might do in any given uh, Sunday service because the anointings for those two different areas are different. But let me read to you from Romans chapter 12, verse 6, 7, and 8. Paul speaking uh, to the Roman believers um, and, of course, the letter was written, was sent, and the letter is available for us today so that every church is able to read the same truth because it's not just applicable to the church in Rome, but it's also applicable to the church in every locality. Uh, Paul just got through telling them that they were all members uh, of the same body um, and that we all belong to the body, uh, we all belong to the church, we're all members individually of it, and he speaks about the different functions there. And he says here in verse 6, it says, In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. <laughs> I've talked about this before, but sometimes people place an expectation on me to be able to do all things well. They somehow think the pastors are like, you know, these wonderfully gifted people. They can do everything. And there are some people that seem like they can do everything, but nobody can do everything. And then, you know, there are certain things that I can do quite well. Um, certain things where I'm sort of average and certain things 
don't ask me to do them. We're going to have a disaster on our hand. I'm not gifted for it. All right? And the key is for me to function in what I'm gifted in because that I can do well. And the key for you is to function in the area that you're gifted in and to be trained and equipped in this area because this is the area that you can do well. The reality, the reality is that many of us that are serving in the body of Christ in one form or another, many of us are filling gaps, not because we're gifted in those areas, because it's a function that needs to be done, and we're only doing that function until somebody with the right gifting rises up to fill that gap. All right? That's why I, mean, I look around, as I say, you know, there's a number of people that wear multiple hats. Uh, they've got the children's church hat on, then they put the praise and worship hat on, they've they got this hat, that hat. Why is all of that? Uh, it's, it's uh, you know, sometimes people uh, have got more available time and energy, but other times people are just saying, look, uh, until somebody else rises up to do that, let me do that. I, I can find some spare capacity. All right. Um, to do the th certain things well, um, it goes on to say, so if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. Underline the, there the word well. Serve them well. Because we're talking about stewarding our gifts and our talents well. Do, do it well. Um, if you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving one, uh, if it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Now, as we said, uh, this is one set of gifts. There's other sets of gifts, uh, without wanting to get into all the details of it. Uh, this set of gifts here, we many times call it the motivational gifts, because every single believer has at least one of those gifts in their lives uh, to a major degree, and usually one or two or three others to a slightly lesser degree. Um, and then whilst all of us are supposed to do those things in certain areas, we will excel and that is because of the gifting uh, that God's placed into our lives. Um, there's another set of gifts spoken about uh, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It speaks about the gifts of the Spirit, uh, such as, you know, the gift of faith, the gifts of healings, working of miracles, tongues, interpretation, uh, prophecy. That's another set of gifts. Then... Uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, the Bible speaks about another set of gifts uh, uh, called apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Their callings, their gifts uh, that God's given to the church. So these are the three main category of gifts. And if we scout through the New Testament, we can pick up a few other things that are there that are not specifically listed here or in any of the other ones to put the whole gift uh, thing all on one page, as it were, to run through it and to kind of... Uh, teach on it. And as I say, we teach these things in some of our foundation study courses so that people can suddenly, oh, it's, 
Is, is that what that is? I, I, I always wondered. You know, sometimes uh, people function in a certain area and they don't know that they're doing that well because that's, that's all they've known and they can't figure out why other people can't do well in this area. It's because of the gifting uh, in their lives. So specifically here, Paul lists those seven gifts. He speaks, uh, first of all, the ability to prophesy. And this is not just prophecy alone, but, uh, you know, when we study, we realize that the people with this gift, uh, we usually, sometimes we call them a perceiver, somebody that's uh, more perceptive than other people in regards to spiritual things. They just have an, an ability without trying to pick up spiritual atmospheres. Um, these people are also praying people because they pick things up and rather than and blurting things out to everybody that just go away and pray about it. These are what we call the perceivers, ability to prophesy. Then number two, serving others. We just call them the servers. People who are happiest when they can serve. Um, and uh, and um, people who are functioning in, in what the Bible calls the ministry of helps. It's helping somebody. Um, and they're just happy to be able, how can I help, where can I help, what can I do? Just serving. And there are many of those required in the body of Christ because there's so much to be done that is not in itself, uh, you know, preaching or prophesying or casting out devils, but so much help is required in order to keep the whole machinery uh, of the church going and to cover all the areas that need to be covered. And there are a lot of those with that gift here. It is not in any way a... Uh, a menial thing. It is not in any way, uh, in any way, to be looked down upon. I mean, it's like praise God for the people that are just happy to serve. All right, that's what he speaks about here. The number three, teaching. Um, uh, this gift here um, is not so much for teaching alone, but it is also people that are particularly apt to do research. They just love drilling down into the detail of things and not just drilling down or teaching the Word of God, but they've just got an ability to just, you know, work things out and to be able to bring understandings in regards to challenges that are being faced or, or problems. Uh, uh, they're bringing solutions. Uh, number four, encouraging others. Uh, these people we call the exhorters, uh, the encouragers. Um, and he says, if you're gifted to encourage others, he says, be encouraging then. You know, I've come around some of these people because they are in the body of Christ, and some of them like, wow, you come away from them and, uh, and think, wow, I just feel so encouraged now. Well, well, that's a gift, all right? We should all be able to encourage one another, but people with this gift, they will excel in this area. Um, then it speaks about giving. I think I might have made reference to that last week. The people with the gift of a giver uh, typically would have the ability to make money, find money, and are able to give it uh, in the kingdom of God. Uh, you know, so a big, a big uh, giver, um, giver type people. Um, you, many times you wouldn't know who they are because they give quietly. You know, the Bible says, don't, if you give your gift, don't let the left hand know what the right hand's doing. Don't, don't make a big fanfare like, you know, the, like the Pharisees did when they give a gift. They did it out in the marketplace and they made a great big show. Say, oh, look what I'm doing. And givers are not like that. They're very quiet. They go about their business very quietly. All right. Um, and finally, uh, number seven, if your gift is showing mercy. We call these the compassion people. Uh, 
You know, the Bible says, weep with those who weep. Well, they will really know how to do that because they, they, they we call them the compassion people or the mercy people. Uh, and they're just particularly gifted in this area. Uh, they're the first ones that will rush over when they see somebody upset and put their arms around them and just, you know, just love on them and, and so forth. Mercy people, compassion people. Again, we've got a whole module uh, that we're teaching around uh, these gifts here and uh, I'm sort of having a sense of that we need to resurrect some of that again because it's just all very exciting stuff uh, because we've got many many people in the body of Christ no comprehension of what the gift is and how to employ that gift and what to do with it um, so uh, again uh, every believer has at least one of those seven gifts to a major degree you you are one of those everybody that's born again you're one of those in here to a major degree and there's probably one or two or three others that's functioning in there to a slightly lesser degree, but it's there nevertheless. And uh, it, it's a gift set. It's a bit like colors. When you throw different colors together, you come up with a different final color, and there's, there's no two that are exactly the same. Uh, our whole personality is shaped by these gifts there and how we operate and how we interact with people and what we do. It comes uh, from the motivational gifts. And the reason why we call them motivational gifts is because this is how we are motivated. Um, and not everybody is motivated the same way. And not everybody is motivated towards the same need. Um, and uh, so it's really quite a fantastic gift mix and God's placed uh, those gifts into our lives. Once again, everybody's got one primary gift out of those seven and one or two or three others that are there to a, we might call them a secondary gift. Uh, it's there. Um, it'll be more than somebody that does not have that gift, um, but it'll not be as big as their primary gift. And uh, the deal is this, uh, when it says in First Peter chapter 4, in verse 10, and you know, we started out with this scripture, it says, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards. God's telling every believer, use your gift and minister it to one another. Minister it to one another. Recognize what it is. Some people flow very naturally in theirs. Others need a little help. Um, and uh, and sometimes, you know, a kind of an opportunity created for people to uh, minister to one another. In my mind, uh, our small group, our life group is the best environment to function in some of those gifts here where there's actually, if all of those gifts are present, then everybody will come away. They would have been taught. They would have been encouraged. They would have been loved. And not only that, but they had an opportunity to love somebody, to teach and to encourage somebody and to, to you know, to do all of these things. So it says here, ministry to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. We said before, right in the beginning of this series of messages, that uh, this is God's total grace that God has in himself that he divided up and he placed his grace into the life of every believer. There's a, a little bit of God's grace in the life of every believer. Grace is more than just unmerited favor. Grace is God's gifting and God's enabling in your life and in mine. And then when somebody knows what their gift is and their function in it, and we could watch that, we are seeing the grace of God 
in operation, and it does something. And if we are all functioning in this gift, and we are all seeing it in each other's lives, there is an excitement that comes. There is a, a, uh, a satisfaction that comes when each person supplies their gift into the mix, and the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is functioning uh, at a high capacity, pumping on all cylinders, as it were, being able to do the things that God's called us to do, to outwork the vision of reaching people, discipling people, helping people, having community projects on the go, making sure that all the aspects are covered, the children are taught, that all the technical aspects are right, that things are being organized, that things are being covered, that everything is done and everything is done well. Just recently... Uh, we hosted the minister's meeting here, and I spent a little bit of time just encouraging uh, uh, the local ministers around the area of excellence in ministry. Um, excellence in ministry is a value that we've held from the moment that we opened doors as a church 30 years ago. Uh, and uh, through some of the teachings that we had of Kenneth Copeland's, uh, specifically one message that he preached, one series of messages called Excellence in Ministry that we've decided that this is us. Well, whatever we do, we will do it as, uh, to the best of our ability. Now, excellence means different things to different people. Um, and excellence has to do with the time that we have available to do a job, with the gifting that we have at our disposal, and for that matter, with the resources that we command at any given time. So excellence. Do, God says, I've given you the gift, and when you function, do it well. Be diligent with it. So these gifts are part of God's grace that He has imparted into our lives. And we've got to find this grace. We've got to develop it. And that's why that whole area of training, teaching, discipling is so important. You know, the tragedy is that uh, many churches are working on the 2080 principle. 20% 20, 20 of the people do all the work, and 80% of the people just come and go. And uh, it's almost like a consumer mentality has been created in the body of Christ. And then literally people treat the church like a supermarket. <laughs> and, uh, but worse still... At least in the supermarket where you go along and help yourself to everything that's on the aisle, at least on the way out, they make you pay. And we've got multitudes of people that are going to church, consuming, picking things and, and leaving again, and not even leaving a single dollar in the offering, let alone serving and bringing any contribution to the body of Christ. How do we know that we're really preaching now? <laughs> God says, you're not a consumer. You're a contributor. You're not a spectator sitting up in the seats because what they tend to do, they tend to criticize the players that are running around on, on the field trying their hardest to move the ball down the line. And we've got people, you know, criticizing and everything. There's something is, is entirely wrong in this whole area. God says, I've, I've got 100% uh, of the people gifted and 
imparted my grace into their lives, and God says, I want 100% uh, functioning in this whole area to bring a contribution. Notice that uh, we spoke about the judgment seat of Christ a couple of weeks running now. Two scriptures specifically in there in your outline says we, we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give account of ourselves. And specifically, what we've got to give account for is regards to how we've dealt with the gift that God's placed into our lives. And in fact, further, it's those three areas that we mentioned earlier, our time, our talent, and our treasure. How have we dealt with all of that? Because God's placed things at our disposal. And we will have to give an account specifically as to how we have employed the gift and to use the gift that takes time uh, towards other people. Please notice that all seven gifts lifted, listed here are to be directed towards other people. Now, most certainly, if my gift were, I'm just picking one out random, I'm not saying it is, or I'm not saying it isn't. You know, if my gift were to encourage others, it is not sufficient for me to just say, I'm just going to encourage myself. Actually, the gift doesn't work in our own selves. Everybody's got to encourage themselves. Everybody's got to do what, whatever we need to do for ourselves. But all of those seven gifts are to be directed out towards one another, every single one of them. And what Paul was saying to Timothy, he says, Timothy, don't neglect your gift by being self-minded. Be other-minded. And use your gift to teach others so that they can learn to use their gift to minister to others also. Timothy's gift was to teach the Word of God, to preach to exhort, to encourage. That was his role. That was his function as a pastor. And uh, that's why Paul says to Timothy, come on, Timothy, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. You do your part. Exhort, encourage, even rebuke if necessary. It says, if you do these things, you will be a good minister, nourished in the word of faith and, and so forth. As I say, these... Uh, I've lived in Timothy a little bit now. It's very exciting truths in there, just very, very exciting stuff. Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, if you do your thing, he says, uh, he says, other people will learn to do their thing. In fact, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, still Paul speaking, it's a second letter that he wrote to Timothy. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift which is in you. So in 1 Timothy, he says, don't neglect it. And now he says, come on, Timothy, I remind you. He says, stir up the gift which is in you through the laying on of my hands. It's going right back to Timothy's ordination. Timothy, remember when we stood you up in front of the whole church, we laid hands on you, we prayed for you, we prophesied over you, a gift was imparted. Don't let that gift sit there dormantly. He says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now, we quote that scripture, that God's not given us a spirit of fear, 
but a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind, and rightly so, because it applies to every single one of us. But can I suggest to you that there was areas in Timothy's life with the way that we read how Paul spoke to him in his first letter and in his second letter, that Timothy was struggling a bit. Second Timothy, Paul says, he says, look, uh, Timothy, I'm mindful of your tears. I know about your tears. I know about your struggles. There was issues going on. Paul says to Timothy, don't let people despise you because of your youth. You know, there are people in churches that despise their pastor for whatever reason. And the pastor's got to deal with that. <laughs> there are people in churches that misunderstand what the pastor says. And by the way, I'm not preaching about myself here. I'm just giving you a general truth. The people that uh, make an effort to misunderstand the pastor, but the pastor's still got to get up and still fulfill his function Day after day, week after week, because that's what God requires. Well, guess what? God places the same expectation on every single person in the local church. It's not just the pastor. God's gifted everybody else too. We're all gifted. And at times, uh, some people, we get a sense that they despise us. We need to keep going anyway. Some people misunderstand us. We need to keep going anyway. And sometimes he might even cry a tear or two. And Paul says, I know about your tears but don't neglect your gift. He says, now, you have not been given a spirit of timidity. There would appear to have been some timidity in Timothy's life where he began to back down a bit because he wasn't quite uh, of the confrontational type as Paul. You know, Paul's like a bulldog guy. I mean, he's just like into it. <laughs> Timothy wasn't quite like that. Paul with the calling, the gift mix that God had given to him. He's a pioneer. He's an apostle. He's a prophet. He's a teacher of the word. And he's, he's out there, man. I mean, in fact, it just, it just bulldozes his way through it. Timothy wasn't quite like that. Timothy was perhaps a bit more, you know, a bit more laid back, perhaps a bit more low-key. And at times, I get the sense that Timothy was like, let's just ease back a little bit here. There's less persecution. There'll be less criticism. And, uh, and, uh, and, you know, be mindful that, that Paul had, uh, uh, Timothy was also dealing with, with, with characters uh, in the church that were giving him a hard time. There were the Judaizers there. There were the people from the Old Testament that had never moved into the New Testament. They were giving P Paul, uh, uh, Timothy, a hard time. And, and Timothy says, uh, Paul says to Timothy, look, he says, don't pay any attention to all the genealogies. To all the fables. Don't, don't pay any attention to that. Just preach the word. Because the sense that I'm getting is that Paul was just tempted to just back down a little bit. I don't know where you're at, you're at today, but this is as applicable to you as it, as it is to me, as it is to every single believer around the world. There are opportunities where, you know, we miss. You know, people misunderstand, people say things they shouldn't say, people get the wrong end of the stick. But nonetheless, God says to every single one of us, don't neglect your gift. Your gift is more important. Come on, don't operate now with timidity. God's given you a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. Think sound thoughts. Don't give way to 
what people say. People will always say, uh, there will always be somebody sitting in the spectator seats and, uh, and gosh, you know, like, uh, like uh, <laughs> I was just uh, reading, the, uh, I tend to read news sometimes, the headlines only, and I've already moved on because I can't be bothered with some of that stuff. But you know, those opinion pieces that are out there now on the news website, it's like, I, I want news, I don't want opinion. I got my own opinion. You know, so the opinion piece is now already shooting at the all blacks because of whatever reason and, and at the coach and everything. Some of these people have no idea what it's like out there on the battlefield, on the ground, on the rugby field, and to have to move that ball from one end all the way through to the other through some 12, 13 bodies that are all against you. I was saying to somebody, you know, I come out of the uh, catering industry, um, specifically uh, preparing food preparation, restaurants, hotels. Some places I was responsible from bowl to go, from purchasing, preparing, serving, and, and everything else. And, uh, and it reminded me of the food critics. <laughs> you know, the people that write about restaurants and hotels and this and that and give their critique. The trouble is the half of them or more haven't got a clue. They couldn't even fry an egg. <laughs> I mean, they couldn't even boil an egg and get it right, for goodness sake. Yet they're commenting as if they were experts. As I say, we've got people in the body of Christ that do nothing but criticize and bring no contribution, but are quick to judge, quick to put down, quick to pick holes. But they're not here. <laughs> oh, praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Fan into flames the gift that God's given you. The NIV translation says. You know, evidently, our God-given gift starts out in the form of embers. I remember when we used to have camping things, you know, going out and my brothers and, uh, and I or sometimes going out on some youth group or something, uh, you know, you sort of start a fire, you know, you get a little spark going and then you get, you get the embers going and then you blow into it and, and, or you sort of use a switch to fan it up a little bit. And, and, and that's exactly what Paul's saying here to Timothy. Come on, Timothy. Fan it into flames. Don't let it just sit there quietly sitting there in embers. You know, a little bit of light. No, no, let's get this thing burning brightly. Let's get it functioning at full capacity. It's a little bit like, you know, the, the gift that God's given us is in seed form. And God says, take it through to harvest time. Sow the seed, nurture the seed, water the seed, make sure it germinates. Look after it, stay with it to the very end. Second, uh, first Corinthians, rather. In fact, let me just back up a little bit here. We've got uh, Second Timothy chapter two, verse one. Still, Paul speaking to Timothy and to all of us. Therefore, you, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you've heard from me. Amongst many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You therefore endure hardship 
as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. If there had been no hardship for Timothy, why would Paul mention hardship? Timothy had a hard time. And the reality is that all of us have a hard time here or there. Certain things, certain things that we're wrestling with, certain things that we're dealing with, uh, certain things that we might be going through right now. But God still says, come on, don't neglect the gift. Don't let it sit there dormantly. Don't sit on your gift. Don't bury your talent. You must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And of course, right there, it reminds us that we're in a war. You know, when God's called us out of darkness, He didn't call us into a holiday camp. Christian life's not a holiday camp. There's wonderful times that we enjoy in the presence of God and wonderful times that we have at certain times, fellowship coming together, but we are in the middle of a war. And this war is for souls. This war is between two kingdoms. Kingdom of darkness where Satan rules, the kingdom of light where Jesus Christ rules. There's no third kingdom. There's only two. And we're either in the one or in the other. There's no middle ground. There's no no man's land. <laughs> they used to tell us when Vanessa and I were young Christians, they used to say, oh, come on, everybody, we can't sit on a fence. There is no fence. <laughs> there is no fence. So we're either in the one kingdom or we're in the other. You know, friends, when things appear very hard, and that's more often than what we would like it or what we would like to believe, but things are very hard, that is especially the time to be very strong in the grace that God's given us. And as I said before, that word grace here is more than just God's unmerited favor. And the, the, the general grace that God has extended towards us to get saved. The grace is much, much more than that. You know, the Bible says that the grace of God has, uh, uh, has appeared to all men concerning salvation. It's offered to everybody, but in the end, we've got to employ this grace. We've got to lay a hold of it, take a hold of the gifts, and use them. First Corinthians 12, 27. Uh, I want to move along quickly now. Um, Verse 27, 28, again, Paul speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says, you are Christ's body. That's who you are. You must never forget this. Only as you accept your part in that body does your part mean anything. See, friends, when Paul speaks about the part, he tells us that we are members of the body of Christ. When he speaks about the part, that has to do with the gift that God's placed into our lives. Use your gift. Do your part. You're familiar with some of the parts that God has formed in His church, which is His body. Apostles, prophets, teachers, miracle workers, healers, helpers, organizers, those who pray in tongues. And this here is another list of some of the gifts that are functioning, most certainly not all, but some of them, that God's placed in the church and uh, God's placed or endeavoring to place and leading the right people to the right places to perform the right function. So there's apostles, prophets, teachers, miracle workers. 
Miracle workers uh, be referenced uh, not exclusively to, but to a major extent, people who stay in the ministry office of, a, of an evangelist. They're typically the people that operate in the power gift, sometimes apostles. Some of these gifts sort of link together certain groupings that tend to attach to other, other groups. Then he speaks about helpers. You know, a church without helpers cannot function. And we need many helpers. And helping is not some sort of look down on function. It is a major function. And the way that our body, our physical body, functions that all the parts help all the other parts so that our body can function, it can walk, it can stand up, it can sit down, it can do all it needs to do. The eye supplies its function not for the eye itself, but for all the other parts in the body. The ear fulfills its function uh, for all the other parts because uh, it might be able to get by by just, you know, but it, it can't. It cannot get by. All the other parts require its function. And that's why Paul says, the eye cannot say to the ear, I have no need of you. Neither can the hand say to the foot, I have no need of you. We all need each other. We are interdependent. Not independent, we are interdependent. We all depend on each other. Help us, organize us. In one translation, it talks about administrators. And I say, let the administrators arise. Let the orga people that are just good at organizing, let them arise. Organizing, some are functioning more in the area of a leadership, others more just uh, organizing in the background, but whatever the gift mix is, let them all arise. Those who pray in tongues, and uh, you know, that would be reference uh, to people who function perhaps in the gift of tongues and interpretation. Um, it, it could, by extension, speak about those who pray and intercede. Everybody's called to pray, but some people do more praying than others and do, function more in the area of intercession, and they're usually quiet people. They, they don't go around breaking about what they do in their, you know, in their time of prayer. They just quietly pray. And they see things. They don't blurt out what they see. They go away and pray about it. And then Paul goes on to say, he says, are all apostles? Uh, answer, of course, is no. Are all prophets? No. Not all. You see, these are all different gifts with different functions that God has placed, and he placed them in the body as he wills. And Paul speaks about the revelation of the workings of the church through each individual member who used their gifts and encouraged Timothy to state a course with the following words. And what's interesting to me, and in the moment you'll see it, and many of you are familiar with that scripture, that Paul is now getting towards the end of his life, and he had every opportunity to bail out. He had every opportunity to get offended. He had every opportunity to feel let down, and people let him down. And there were times, in, again, in Timothy, he says, Timothy, everybody's left me. Everybody's gone. When, when he was before the court, he says, nobody stood with me. It's like, it's like Paul sort of had a bit of a sense as to what Jesus felt like when he was before the courts and everybody ran away. His disciples, his best mates, they all left him, just all took off. But Jesus carried his ministry right through to the very end. Paul carried his ministry right through to the very end because rewards, my friend, are only forthcoming 
if we endure right to the end. We don't like to speak about these things, but he says, he who endures to the end. Friend, it's not how we start out in the enthusiasm of our salvation and in all the excitement of like, you know, we want to get saved, we want to get the whole world saved, and then suddenly we realize that, oh, this is probably a little bit harder than what I had envisaged. I thought if I just rush out there, everybody will appreciate what I've got to say, and then suddenly people are speaking against me. And how do you remember when, you know, when you first get saved and you got that enthusiasm, and then suddenly you realize, like, we were in a war. <laughs> we're fighting not flesh and blood, but we're fighting principalities and powers demon spirits that are blinding people and even causing people to say things that they shouldn't say. But we don't fight against flesh and blood, Paul. We fight against principalities and powers, demon spirits. Second Timothy 4, 6. And still Paul speaking to Timothy. Paul now the aged. Paul the pioneer. Apostleship means pioneer, amongst other things. Verse 6, he says, For I am already put out as a drink offering. Paul, from the moment he got saved, he literally, it was like, uh, it's like he put out his life for the cause. So put, put out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure is at hand. Paul knew that he didn't have much time left on the earth. He didn't die of old age. He was before the court, and he had a sense in his spirit that they were going to do away with him, and sure enough, you know, they martyred him. History tells us that, uh, that they crucified him uh, upside down rather than, uh, and there's some, uh, I cannot verify this, but there's some, uh, reports that he refused to be crucified right side up, which is what Jesus Christ had, had to go through. He says, I'd rather be flipped around uh, because I'm not worthy to look like Jesus Christ when I'm crucified. So he says, flip me around. There's a sense there in Paul's life and a spirit of what's coming through, even as you read between the lines, it's like this guy was like one bulldozer that just, you know, just once the, 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 you know, they put the, engaged the wheels, he just wasn't going to stop. And I think we need some of that sense. I'm already put out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. And it's a good fight because it's a fight we win if we stay in the battle. You know, sometimes we're fighting against demon spirits or different things. You know, we might even lose a round or two, but so long as we stay in the fight. You know, in the end, when uh, in the boxing uh, discipline, uh, they got you know, usually these guys fight 12 rounds. They might even lose a round or two, but so long as they keep on getting up. That's the good fight. The one that you keep on. You know, the Bible says the righteous man falls seven times, but he rises up again. Don't concern yourself with the time where you fell over. The important thing is not that you fell over. The important thing is that you rose up again. He says, I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. Finished the race. 
Let us run with patience the race set before us. Hebrews tells us in verse 12. Finish the race. Make up your mind today that you're going to go through right to the very end. You're not going to be in the church until somebody offends you or until somebody misunderstands you. Make up your mind that you're not just, you know, uh, uh, here while somebody appreciates you and raves how wonderful you are. You're just going right through to the very end. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. <laughs> I've, I've kept the faith. The faith that Paul kept, God, when he, when he came in, he kept it all the way. And surely you'd think that there would have been times like, God, are you still up there? I'm like getting shipwrecked here. This is not supposed to happen. I'm being beaten three times with rods, 39 lashes. You know, I got the, the lashes, the, the beatings. Uh, God, are you still up there? One time they stoned him, left him for, for dead. And, you know, Paul being Paul, it just gets up and walks away. <laughs> Has somebody thrown rocks at you recently? <laughs> I've kept the faith. Finally. Circle the word Finally. I know about you, but I'm going to be here until finally comes. Finally is not finally until it's finally. Okay. You know, as I say, it's not over till it's over. <laughs> finally, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness. See, now Paul's swinging about rewards. He's talking about rewards. There's laid up for me. Friends, there's something laid up for us. There's something waiting for us on the other side, as it were. There's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And here he's speaking about the judgment seat of Christ, or what we call the reward seat of Christ, the beamer seat of Christ. When we stand before Christ, it's not... You know, it's not the time to hand out uh, punishments, but it is the time when God will give us rewards. Paul speaks about a crown of righteousness. I think I touched on that before. There's about six or seven crowns uh, that the New Testament speaks about that will be kind of uh, pieces of recognition that people will carry throughout eternity to speak of their faithful service to Christ. And they've gone right through to the finally. Says the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. And this is the deal here where Paul now wraps things up. And he says, Timothy, carry on what I started. Stay with the program. Preach the word. Don't get sidetracked into fables, into genealogies, into nonsensical stuff. You know, I'm really concerned, friends, what, uh, you know, like places around the world that are, they call themselves churches, what people get into and what they get up to. It's like, you know, when uh, the words are banned and it makes room for everything else. It's like weird, weird, weird stuff. Just stick with the word. All right. 
stay with the program. As uh, one man used to say, there's not a time to fall off of your horse. We keep going and we use our gifts, we employ our gifts and we do it well. We do it to the best of our ability.